Hello and welcome. You're listening to Adventures in the Veil, an RPG discussion podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Ross. Sit back and relax by the fire, for there are tales to be told. Have that right out. Hello and welcome back to the Adventures in the Veil Tavern Cast. My name is Ross McClure. Here we talk about folk tabletop role-playing games. Today I'm joined with Todd from Hexed Press. Uh, your YouTube videos, Todd, uh, old school renaissance, tabletop role-playing games. Uh, I would say a lot of the content applies to role-playing games writ large the whole thing really great shorts pro- helpful perspectives for newer referees or dungeon masters or game masters whatever you want to call it and you've got a series called hex crawling 101 uh, you also do general community discussion roundups reviews and deep dives and uh, I, I have benefited a lot from the sage advice in your your channel and a lot of people from our play club has as well welcome to the podcast thanks and uh just, just Watsy, don't sue me. I don't use the phrase sage advice in any kind of. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Please leave me alone. Any relation to sage advice is purely coincidental. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, well, flattery will get you everywhere. And, uh, no, I, I appreciate it. I'm glad you reached out and, and happy that the, the, the stuff I've put out has helped anybody. I always just like hearing that any, any, any of my, uh, you know, half, half thrown together advice has, uh, has been profitable, folks. Yeah, and I want to I want to dive into all of it, but but I specifically wanted to talk to you, Todd, because uh, this podcast is um, I, I'm, I mean it's for everyone uh, interested in indie role playing games, OSR uh, RPGs. Uh, we focus on what we call folk RPGs, that is uh, RPGs in general that are sort of disconnected more from like a brand identity more like cottage industry type rpgs obviously the osr uh encompasses a lot of that and we enjoy those a lot i wanted to talk to you uh because a lot of people that this podcast is aimed at are people right now that are either brand new to tabletop role-playing games which i talk to them weekly like a dozen a week probably some of whom are middle-aged people the nest is empty. Now they're like, I want to come back. I want, I want to try this again. Uh, some people uh, are young people. They're brand new. And an interesting thing is um, they're looking at indie games. Alternatively, other people we talk to play, you know, the that one game, you know, with the big and. Um, <laughs> and they're, they're wanting to try something else. Uh, and so we're, our podcast topics are about how do we help how do we help bring them in? And uh, for a lot of them, they, they come into indie or OSR games, and they're going to encounter this term. They're going to encounter hex crawling very very early on. And an interesting thing is, uh, sometimes it can even seem like that's just a presumption that that you're going to be doing that. 
And, um, I mean, you know, it could be the OSR, it could be a game like Forbidden Lands. A lot of indie games or smaller companies have taken this up, even if they're not strictly an OSR game. Um, and I can say I, I I had an experience a few years ago. This is sort of what happened with my hex crawling experience. I wish I had seen your videos. I wish I, I, wish I had seen them then. Because uh, I had that experience where I was like, okay, I guess I need to do this hex crawling thing. That's what everybody says I need to do. So I'm, I'm going to put a bunch of hexes together. Uh, I will put choices in the hexes, and, um, and then there you go. And, and it turned out terribly. And, uh, and it was not interesting, and I, I don't think I got it. And then again, I tried, after I had some kind of OSR experience under my belt, of building a hex map, of building a, a hex crawl, uh, about a year and a half later, after I had been running Old School Essentials and stuff for a while, and it went better, <laughs> but I, I made all kinds of mistakes. And uh, uh, now since then, uh, with my friends in the play club, we love hex crawling uh, and we're nuts about it. I, I prefer playing it. Like as a player, it's my preference. Uh, but, you know, the brand game doesn't offer a lot in the way of explaining exploration. It has a short chapter in the adventure chapter of, of the DMG. Yeah, um, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't explain much, and then uh, a lot of OSR. There's just not a lot out there. So what I wanted to do is I want to take some of the like maybe your hex crawling 101 body, your corpus of of advice, and let's explain that as if someone had never played a role playing game ever. So sure, happy to. The, the first thing is like, what is hex crawling? Like, is there like a simple definition, like an axiomatic like? Yeah, there, there, there probably. I don't think there is. I mean, I think ultimately you'd that's say, well, fair. <laughs> is a game that's moving across a hex map, right? You're where a hex map. What, what is a hex map? a hex map? And a hex. Uh, I guess, and in simple terms, a hex map is just a a map with hexes as the grid. I guess if you're, I guess meaning it has like a the it has a, a sectioned off part of the map of with six sides, like a six shape. sides, right? A hexagons, and it's overlaid with hexagons, like a piece of graph paper's overlaid with boxes. And okay. you can do it, and I think some of the, I don't want to say confusion, because you can see, you can look online, you can look at different materials, and you can see them done in many, many different ways. The simplest way, the kind of, I guess, the old school way in terms of uh, a, a gaming, how it used to be, was there would be a, a symbol in each, inside each hex, and that symbol would tell you what the most dominant geographical feature of a hex is. And it might be a, a little tree symbol for a forest, some uh, little points, some little lines just to indicate grass or some upside down used indicate hills that sort of thing and you would move along the hex and kind of discover things and and, and in a way i guess that i would say hex crawling is a little bit about exploring exploring kind of unknown or little known areas using a hex map as that as the main device for doing those explorations so so it work for the next five until something else comes along. Yeah. Okay. So it it's like uh, so it, it hex a hex map uh, in this overlay that you're talking about is for the purpose of exploration. Is that uh, is? I, I think you, well, I think you can use it for different things. I think in terms of the hex crawl, it's there to help, I guess, show an area of land in sort of an abstract, simplified, simplified way. So when you say abstract, you mean like when you have a symbol of a tree. 
that that doesn't you don't mean that there's one tree. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a, and there might be other features, but you just need to say, hey, features. there's a forest. You just need to there's know that there's a forest here. I, I, that's why I try to say the most dominant. Skip ahead, but I think something that can be confusing and hard, right? Is you 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 may look at a map and you'll see uh, a whole uh, thirty hexes all with hill symbols on them. And uh, does that mean that it's just wall to wall hills? No. Yeah. But it means that if you were I like to think of it, I try to explain it this way, maybe this helps, maybe this doesn't, but if you were to look down from a satellite or you were in the space station, you were to kind of zoom into a certain point and take a picture and you had to kind of explain to somebody, well, I don't need to know everything that's going on, but if I was going to pick one thing that this area was about, what would you say? You say hills, or you might say that's forest or plains. And it doesn't mean that that's the only thing in there, but it means that if you had to pick one, I guess like if you were just to say, hey, where are you from? And you might say, I live in the, I live in the country and it's kind of, it's a hill country, right? okay yeah i mean it's just rocks everywhere there's absolutely nothing else but just hills no but you would say that if you had to pick one thing to represent your area and one hex depending on how you measure it but kind of the classic six mile hexes is about 30 square miles 31 something change square miles so you say oh you know for that one you know i would say hills uh but but now there's different styles and you can find styles that are more illustrative that will show more try to show different features and you also find the styles that are just very simple so and the problem is therein lies kind of some of the problems too because you can see a lot of different things a lot of different people do it different ways and so it uh you have to kind of figure out sort of what their style is but you just have to know that ultimately it's an abstraction and it's not trying to give you a, a snapshot of the ground like a satellite photo would it's oh. an abstraction to kind of help simplify some of the procedures that you might. Okay, so I, I think that that makes sense to me because, you know, we were just talking about, like, before the podcast where I'm from, and I I definitely have to use a, a line or point reference. I have to say, I live down in the hilly area south of Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> so I have to say, so almost like if it were a hex map, on one hex you would have... Uh, a little building maybe as a city and then there's like two hills south of that and then maybe then there I would be so I, I tended to describe where I'm from and in those common terms but let's uh, let, let's start as kind of like a baseline so if people are either just coming into RPGs or they're uh, they're moving over into indie or OSR RPGs and they're gonna see these sure. hexes and I, and actually so I asked, uh, as, as part of the broader conversation, how do we help people get into this? I was talking to um, Matt Finch, and I asked him, how do you, you know, what, what is a simple one, two, three? And he recommended uh, still, like, hey, the initial B modules, like uh, B2, B4, probably, you know. And what's funny is, like, um, uh, in some of those modules, if you pick them up, they're very well written and they're very good at explaining things. Uh, and you're going to find a hex map and it's going to just, it's going to assume that, um, or it's going to have an area map and things like that. So just as a, as a starting point, do you need to do this if you're getting started? You do not. And I, I think that, uh, it's, this is where having, especially now, if you go and you buy a book, and it's beautiful and it's got all this stuff in it. Someone spent a lot of time preparing and, 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 and making beautiful for you. The intimidation factor sets in. It's like, oh gosh, if I'm gonna make something like this for my campaign, how much work am I gonna have to do? They've got a whole planet that they've hexed out and put in this book. Right. Do I need to do a whole planet? Right, that kind of, it's, it's a trap. I mean, right. Much, right, I think for everything, it's a trap. I think if you go back and you look at, I'll just use a classic, Keep on the Borderlands. Keep on the Borderlands essentially takes place inside of one hex. 
if you're pretty much sticking to the module, you're never leaving that hex. There's the, right. the keep, and then kind of on one side of the hex, so to speak. I'm not even sure exactly how far apart they might not even be on opposite sides of the hex. But And then some miles away, but within the same hex, essentially, is the Caves of Chaos. And you do not need to engage with any hex crawling mechanics or hex map or anything to play keep on the borderlands. And I think a lot of folks, that's why they kind of recommend that type of adventure. Even if, if you don't want to use that module, use something else where there's essentially a kind of a safe place and then a danger place, dangerous place, and they're pretty close to each other. And you can kind of move back and forth. Not that it, because remember, a six mile hex is kind of six miles to go across as a crow flies. It doesn't necessarily mean that you can just run back and forth all the time, but you are basically within a day or half days, let's just say. And you can bounce back and forth, and that can be your sort of basic setup. And you can then, much like in the basic <coughs> and expert sets, which I love, BX, you don't actually hit the hex calling rules till you get to the expert part. Oh. You kind of presume that for the first level or a couple levels, you'll be in this kind of keep on the borderlands kind of situation. And then when you kind of graduate, okay, now we want to move further out. We, we beat down the case of chaos and we're looking about, and now we need to kind of make we actually need to move somewhere to get to the kind of the next point of interest. Okay, now we kind of spread out the hex map. And I, I, and I think that's one of the things that is lost when, you, when people are coming at the BX type material from an old school essentials type direction is a lot of, it's all laid out for reference. Right. Like that teaching part and the way they lay out the rules to kind of give you this so that you're kind of learning it on a slow incline, you lose that stuff. So you lose the idea that for the first level or two levels or three levels even, you might be in within one hex and be just satisfied there. I don't own and the course, cook uh, book, the, the the second book, the expert rules. Expert? I, yeah, I have the I, I have the basic set. Does does it uh, so it, it does uh, is it as good at teaching as uh, the Mold Bay basic set? I think so. Oh, I that's so. awesome. I know some okay. people don't like it as much, but I think it maybe it's because it's also doing things like it extends all your levels. So instead of going like one to three or whatever uh, Mold Bay's book does, Cook's one goes up to 16 or 18, something like okay. that. Okay. Um, but it has all the kind of hex crawling, hex crawling sort of procedural stuff is all in the expert stuff. Okay. So, so the idea behind that was, or at least their conception of it was, you go from basic and then you sort of move on to the advanced part. But... So many people come at it from old school essentials or some other indie NSR OSR game that has distilled down BX. But the one thing that they they often pretty much always lose is that teaching aspect. Okay, yeah, and if I recall correctly, it just off the top of my head, I think isn't that sort of what Gary Gygax suggests as well? Like in the one EDMG, he says, "Hey, look, you're going to start in this local area, and that's going to provide a lot to chew on, and then you're going to start developing." the campaign melee is going to start expanding from there and you're going to need to develop these areas beyond. I mean, I, I don't recall exactly, but I, I, I assume he, but I, I think that's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> if he didn't yeah. say it in the book, he probably should have, should have said that. <laughs> and then it also, as a GM, it gives you time to prep stuff because while the party's mucking around inside that dangerous place, so the hex, you can spend some time figuring out what's outside it, you know, what's going on. So, uh, it, then, so it gives you some buffer time. If that's the case, is it fair to say, uh, I guess pun intended maybe, that we're talking about some expert rules here? We're talking about, uh, you know, this is, you've been adventuring a while as a player, and you can begin to expect this, or, uh, or as a referee, you've got a little bit of time before this starts to, to, to build to this point where you're going to start adventuring overland, and, and you're going to need to know about these procedures. Yeah, it, it's so I would say it's definitely an added layer, right? And I think if you're comfortable, 
then you can add the layer from jump. In my home game, I had it in from jump, but I was very comfortable with doing it. And also, I was also sure to explain to the party all this stuff that would kind of be entailed with, with hex crawling. Though I did have a danger spot that was near to them, so they didn't have to, right? The option was there to kind of explore and have the world open, but they also had somewhere they could go kind of close by if they wanted to, because a lot of the procedures, well, I guess really the wandering creature procedures make hex crawling, if you look at it, super deadly. You could run into a lot of really nasty stuff pretty much any time. And if you're a low level creature, and you run into, you know, 50 goblins or 120 orcs or a dragon, and there's the odds are not necessarily great that you'll run into any one of those, but the odds are basically the same. You know, you could run into things. I think I rolled one time two dragon creature checks. It was like, no, one, yeah, was it two dragons in a row or a dragon, a gorgon, and then a dragon? Kind of back to back to back. Wow. <laughs> and if, and, and uh, so if your party is not ready for that, what that means in terms of how you may want to prepare themselves or they're kind of like oh god we got to run away or if there's someone coming from a more modern game standpoint like we're the heroes if this thing shows up we should be able to defeat it you know it, or you just as a gm of thinking about distances and uh not accidentally putting them in melee range with the dragon because you rolled up the encounter it's just kind of things you need to keep in mind things you want to make sure available so you can do it but if you're brand new and your party's brand new if you can take the time to start them with something local i think that's a good but you know if you want to, if you got your heart set on hex point from the start you can certainly do it okay so as a starting point like when you come in and I, cause i'm going to give a couple of examples here that i got up on the shelf um and someone recommends uh, a an adventure um either one of the old b series adventures or or a a, a modern adventure uh you, you don't have to do it like first of all and then uh so so second of all, it, it, it sounds like if I were to take the description and kind of condense it down, it sounds like this is um, a map tool. Like, you know, I was in the army and we dealt with maps and grids a lot. And a map is a line drawing from above of a, a representation of the Earth's surface. So it's not one for one. It's not an image. It's not a photograph. It's an abstraction. And right, on that, that, on, uh, on that, that map, famous quote, right? The map is not the territory. Ah, well, I've never heard that. Oh, oh nice. Um, I wish I could remember who said it. The well, famous well, now we're going to, we're going to attribute, attribute to you now. So that you <laughs> <laughs> can say that the hex map is not the territory that, that there, there's my work. Nice. Okay. So, so this is a, a map. This is a map. So this isn't like one for one. And then you're looking down at this and you're going to overlay uh, interlocking six-sided shapes, these hexagons. They're going to have six sides, and, uh, and, and within that, you're going to represent the thing you need most. Now, you're saying you don't have to do that. Like, you don't have to start with that. And, it, and is it true there are other methods, right? Like, there are other ways to do exploration. Got, uh, yeah, well, you, well it, yeah, so there's point crawling, right, which is where you might have points on a map. It's basically if you're riding on roads or trails, right? You get on a road, the road takes you from New York, and you stay on that road to Chicago. That's essentially is a, a point crawl. Um, and you can totally do Or sometimes people will just hand wave travel altogether. They'll just kind of, you know, or the, I like to call it the Indiana Jones, right? The You kind of zoom out, and you, you show the dot on the map, and then the plane, train, automobile, whatever, right. wagon, horse, ride. is a little montage. You show up on the other side, and you're, you're good. And that's a totally valid way if you don't want to interact with them. Right. 
Yeah, and where I feel like the hex crawling comes in is is the exploration part because those other ones don't really deal with going places that aren't already known. If you know, if you have a map that says we follow this road and it's going to take us to Samarkand, then you can just go on the road and you get to Samarkand, right? But the the idea of interacting with this whole area is like, well, we don't know. We don't know where the lost city of Z is. We got to find it, and so that's that that finding it, that trying to get, that getting lost or trying not to get lost, all those things interacting in ways where I feel like the hex crawl is the strongest tool, but other games, other the free, I know you mentioned Forbidden <clears throat> Lands, but uh, like the One Ring series from Free League, oh, yeah. does something similar where you can get lost, but lost is really just time. Time and maybe an extra encounter. You're not really lost, whereas navigation is a thing with hex crawling, where you might have to make choices of, okay, the mountain's over here to your left, and there's a forest to your right, and up ahead is this, like, which way are you going? Right. And that's a really a choice as opposed to rolling a die and saying you get lost, so you spend an extra day that you didn't want to spend. Okay. On the road, kind of. Yeah. You do have options if, if you find it too daunting. Not have. So I, I've yeah, I've heard of these three, uh, and they're probably they're well, not probably they're not the only way to express distance, rate, time, and space. They're not the only mapping tools that exist by any means. Um, you know, you've got 3D topography. You've got grid uh, you've got so there you know i know that from my past life experience there are other ways to express it but in the tabletop role-playing game world i've heard of these three uh, i don't know if we hit the big ones but i th they're the ones i'm familiar with that you mentioned point crawling where you do have options you know but essentially you're just going to travel in a straight line to that option yeah and, and it's, imagine you're on a highway map right yeah and, so you, and you could you could still have it. encounters time resource expenditure you could still have that but you're just going to travel Absolutely. that line to the to get to that you're next point. travel that line and you'll get to a choice and you'll say hey you could take the interstate east or you can go on this one northwest and maybe there's a country road going west pick one yeah. of those and you're, you're kind of picking one of those things whereas the hex map is you're more or less have 360 degrees of freedom right it's abstracted because you're moving along those kind of hexagonal sort of uh faces but you ah. can pretty much move anywhere right? I wanna, that's, that's something that yeah. also throws people off is the the, the face is the hexagon and you know why right. can't I, depending on how you align your hexagons why can't i just move north or south or why can't i just move east or west and you can't because it's an abstraction and the lines don't exist and there's nothing pushing you you just have to kind of decide well you're slightly on one thing or you're slightly on the other one but, uh, yeah we're not really worried about your exact pinpointed location it's kind of like you have that when you look at your gps and you get the bigger round circle of well i can tell you're somewhere in this area but i'm not quite sure where that's kind of your hex map yeah i want to get back to this idea of the six spaces but uh so we got the the line the um the point crawl you've got what i've heard called montage approach uh yeah. which is uh what the dun the dungeons and dragons fifth edition dungeon masters guide which has the the if you want to call them rules rules on this for the modern game is in the adventure section for wilderness and it, it, it straight out says that in two sentences it says oh, really? look yeah it says it says look probably you just shouldn't do it and and for years uh, as i was trying to investigate this hex crawling phenomenon because what i desired was lord of the rings you mentioned the one ring and i wanted this sense of i don't know if i know where i am i i don't know i wanted that feeling like in a bethesda video game where you're like what is that over there what is that you know and you and you can go and you can find out and that that uh and for years i couldn't find that in the modern game uh not that you can't do that with the modern game but in the book yeah, it, it tombs tomb of annihilation they they actually put a hex crawl into one of their big box 
or kind of big adventure books. Yeah, yeah, no, they, it, yeah, several adventures, absolutely, you're right, they, they do have it, and, um, but, um, uh, anyways, I, uh, uh, they, it says that, though, in the book, in the DMG, it says, look, you probably just shouldn't do this, uh, most of the time, the dungeon master will describe what happens as you go from encounter to encounter, and that's it, uh, and in that approach, uh, the, that pillar really is, if it's a pillar, I talk about like pillars of play, a social pillar where you interact, if there's like a combat pillar, um, I don't know that I subscribe to that entirely, but you know, um, people describe the game in that way and that exploration itself might be a pillar and you could explore in a dungeon, uh, even though it's a closed matrix and you can go and poke at things and investigate things and that can be really satisfying and you can provide choices because it's a closed matrix. Uh, but, you know, when I think of exploration, I, my mind immediately, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons, thought of um, of the wilderness like and, and the wide open. And I, th I said, how do you do that? And um, I won't mention the blogs, but they were every major blog, every major one. I'm so tempted to. I want to. Uh, maybe one of the biggest was like, you probably shouldn't do this. And then the next one, uh, who's not as much of a major blog, but he goes into details. And he's like, this probably won't work. You probably just don't want to do this. And like that was the prevailing advice several years ago when I was trying to figure this out. And um, it was in a time when I, I, I couldn't find you guys who had been doing it for from the beginning. Like and and that the rules uh, explicitly um, have it right there, and at a certain point, maybe even it's necessary. Okay, so here we are. We've got this third option, which is you're going to overlay six-sided grids, and which I think comes pretty much straight from war games. People are wondering why six right. sides, why not eight sides, why not whatever. There's a big Oh, you know, it's it's because you could, right? You could have four sides, or you could have you could have four you know. sides. You can do and it, and look, keep on the borderlands, which does have you walking through the wilderness. It's just not a hex crawl. It uses a grid, right? You're, yeah. you're walking in squares. I think it's coming from war games and the idea of having flanking maneuvers, things like that. We're having more sides, and I think six just probably just is a pretty neat number. Right? Three kind of three faces in front, three faces in the back. It just kind of it kind of works, and I think it gives you enough as much specificity as you probably need you could right. probably do more and i think connecting them all together anyway if, you, if someone was wondering why why hexes I that's think that's, that's exactly what my question was about to be is if you if you overlay this this thing and then you're going to abstract generally the features within that six mile hex why hex which you just answered it provides what six degrees right six degrees of freedom of options to say you're going to go northwest north northeast so on so forth the, the cardinal directions and, and the four minor cardinal directions, right? And then uh, and then alternately, or, or also, why why would you do that at all? Like you, you said that it helps you do these procedures. Uh, and that might be part of something that maybe people coming from the modern, the brand game just don't even do these procedures. So maybe it's just read the basic set and the expert set. Uh, maybe that's well, part I mean, of they it. Well, they don't really, you know, they tell you to skip it. And... I think just to be fair to them, and I've run to a lot of players and GMs who just don't really want to inter interact with it. That's not what they're. Sure. It's not what they feel like they're here to do, right? They want to get to the next encounter, right? And they'll say, "Oh, it's boring. Oh, this happens." Oh, but but yeah, you're saying that the that, next thing. you're saying that this particular style, what it offers you, is it offers that we don't know what's out there. 
We don't right. know what's out there. We yeah. got to find. And the way because the other two it, won't, right? Like the, the other, other the yeah. other two. I mean, you can have things that aren't out there, but it's that kind of like truly getting lost, right? So, in something like the One Ring, getting lost is about time, and that's a factor. It can totally be a factor, but you're not. You know, I don't think you're gonna ever feel like you're totally lost because loss is just gonna keep you on that same thread you're on, just push you back and back in, in time, right? But you're always gonna be on the thread. Whereas in the hex crawl, you could legit just be like, I don't know. Uh, if you think about, I think a good example is in The Hobbit, right? When they're in the uh, uh, Mirkwood, I guess, and they are lost. They lost the path. They were on the they were on the point crawl. They were like, hey, stay on this road. This road's gonna take you through. You gotta stay on the road. If you remember, they they things are happening and they end up off the road and 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 they get lost. And Bilbo, they say like, send Bilbo up to the tall tree. You gotta go up. You gotta figure out where the heck we are. That's kind of what Hexcon is about, right? Where you're going to be in a situation where, like, I'm looking east, I'm looking west, I don't recognize anything. I know we need to get somewhere, I think, and maybe I got to figure out how to get there. Or, as you're saying, maybe there's a tower out there we see in the distance. It's not where we're supposed to be going, but, man, that tower looks... Looks cool. <laughs> inviting. Looks cool. Or it's raining, and we need some ah. or something big is chasing us, and we need shelter, and there happens to be something. Whatever the reason is, hey, I want to go check that out. So... All right, well, you can you can get there. That was kind of that was kind of my next question. So it sounds like the reason that you would do this then is it provides that sense of wonder, of that sense of like we don't know what's out there. We can just go out there. And I that, mean, I think so. Yeah. And so, so all right. So they're doing that. I want to return to the procedures a little bit, oh, but, yeah, go but for it. perhaps it's fair to say just read the book because the book has the procedures, right? And actually, let me let me see if this is a fair characterization of the procedures regardless of the system sure. for hex crawling as opposed to montage or point crawling you need to know variables like distance rate time um and well maybe those maybe those are the major ones and, and then maybe uh something that would affect those variables like a yeah, your terrain will terrain affect, yeah. yeah so like affect the time and and then from that you'll get things like uh, which I, I find the joy of the old school renaissance for me has been that I don't know what's going to happen out there and I don't even know where they're going to go or what's out there and it's actually really freeing it's actually simpler it's easier to prepare that you just prepare the world and then you don't worry about it and then I have a procedure that gives a weather model very simple one that I don't have to think about it gives the weather and then the weather is going to affect their time and their time is going to affect how much food they're going to eat and how far they go. And the time's also going to affect how often they're going to run into critters, which are horrifying. Yep. And so because of that, I've had situations where they're fleeing a flight of rocks in the wilderness that I didn't expect, you know, and so they find a nearby cave that was already there. And then they run into the cave and it begins an entire adventure that I didn't anticipate. Uh, and they find an, an old weird dwarf that had been in the cave for 500 years <laughs> you know and like there's no way that i could uh, and it does it, it, it you can't even say that you can't even sum it up as an exam uh, uh, to compare it to a bethesda game because there's no video game that could even provide that and then this yeah, and that's where the fun is right i mean to me anyway i, I you know that that's why i i like it so much is to get all these situations and fun stuff that yeah. you probably couldn't have plotted out if you if you tried to right? yeah uh, okay, so so we have you know what it is, and we have like you know which is that it's just a map. It's it's a way of presenting the world just like you would a map. And then we have why it is, which is that you get the sense of wonder, the sense of openness, uh, and 
the thing that has blown my mind is you could have whole whole games. I've started to fall in love with it so much that I almost don't care anymore if we ever get to the dungeon, or even if like it, the whole game could be about this if you wanted. Uh, of just totally. discovery and exploration and not knowing what will come out of it. Discovering weird towers, caves, holes in the ground. The, yeah. You know, different, different nests or lairs, which can be, you know, if you find the lair of creatures, if you're looking at kind of old school games, that's where their loot is. If they have treasure, it's mostly in their lairs, so you want to find them. Yeah. But if you if you hit see that flight of rocks, maybe you come back when you're a little bit more prepared, you're like, I want to find that nest of rocks because they've got to have some good stuff. So that they've accumulated, so you can go try to find it. You're describing this stuff now. What I would call so, and we had a discussion about this before diegesis. Like you're describing this, uh, which I find really helpful, um, in essentially the same way a character would see it. Like you're saying, oh, there's a weird rock. What's what is that tower over there? Let's climb a tree and see if we can see better. You know, so uh, that's kind of my next question is operationally, like at the table. What does it look like from the player's perspective? What are they going to hear from the referee? And what does it play out like? And then second to that is, what is the referee doing? Like nuts and bolts, like, you know. Sure. Well, I guess there are a couple ways to do it, right? So this is going to depend stylistically. I like to try to keep it in the fiction for the players. Yeah, I love that. They don't see the hex map. My hex map is behind the screen. If they have a map at all, it might be something they bought in town, or maybe they got one in Inheritance, they found one in some treasure. That's kind of their thing they don't see the hexes uh you know i see the hexes but certainly i believe back at the beginning they everyone saw the hex map they were using the the board game outdoor survival which has which was all about i think hiking and getting all that different scenarios it was an avalon hill game and if you ever read the white box when it says go go see outdoor survival survival that's funny thing when they're pointing out to an actual third whole different party project but i guess i've heard the outdoor survival is i guess was the most popular avalon hill game there must have been a lot of them out there anyway you you can have the player facing hex map if you want you can have that map behind the screen if you want it's up to you and that would be the same thing for the description so i will run it basically like i would run a dungeon if you're familiar with the old school procedures for running dungeons it's kind of the same you move a certain amount of distance over a certain amount of time choices come up i'll kind of i'll try to set describe the scenery if they see something new or something if there's a decision point and then we move to the next segment and in, in a dungeon it's kind of 120 feet or 10 minutes would be your sort of exploration turn of the dungeon i think i use three hours as my default in the wilderness so you move some segment of time for three hours that makes sense if it's if it's obvious which way you're going to keep going i'm not going to keep you know if it's like well the party's given their marching orders well, we're following these planes until we reach the sea well then i might just if there's no encounter i'll say okay well the planes march on until you reach but if there are different decisions and maybe they don't know where they are or I've determined maybe they've gotten lost, then that's where I might start hinting at, you know, well, this this is on your east. On the east side, you're kind of starting to see this. And then that's their cue of, well, wait a minute. According to what we were told, we're not supposed to see a hill on the east. So are we going the right way or, or do we get turned around somehow? And, it's, you know, of course, weather and all that stuff. But it's a very similar procedure. It's just your time scale has pulled out from being 10 minutes, right? If combat is at... 10 seconds or a minute, then you zoom out in the dungeon to 10 minutes. When you're doing travel, you're zooming out to you know, three hours or so is what I tend to do. Now that sounded really important. It sounded like you said, if there's just nothing there, like if there's no meaningful choices, you're still going to just like, all right, let's, you know, you're going to switch out of that, you know, yeah. checking distance rate and time and hexes. And, I mean, you yeah. know, imagine you're, you're in gonna, a dungeon, right? Yeah. And you're in a whole quarter that goes 300 feet and there's nothing on other end of the quarter is nothing. You're probably not going to prompt the party every 10 feet to see if they're going to keep going. 
Right. You might say, like, it goes 300 feet, you want to go, and the car's going to go, yeah. So it's it seems like good similar, advice, yeah. Similar logic. If there is no decision point, if it's pretty much that's what it is in there, you know, I might, if it's something where they're not expecting it and I want to prompt them to just give me the affirmative, yes, we keep going, then I might, you know, ask them. But if it seems like this is where they're going, they've said we're going here and we're going to keep going until either something weird happens or until we get to this lake that we're sure is east of us. I'll say, fair enough, then we'll just. We'll keep moving. But but, um, it, but the, it, oh sorry go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, it, no, no. So it, it sounds like though that the this this format of what I've heard call and response or challenge and response where you're just you know like in a dungeon presenting the the decisions available uh, and then and then they make a decision and you do that in the fiction uh, you do that in in the game world terms so. Um, uh, could could you give me? I don't know if you have any of this near. I don't know if you're near your your layer or not. But if you if if you're and you probably be able to do this off the top of your head anyways. But could you give me an example right now? Let's say we're at a game and you're yeah, like sure. and you're gonna you're gonna tell me. See, because like imagine like no one if if someone has never tried this before. Uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Like what's let's just say like I'm a player and you're about to present this. What, what would that sure. look like? So, uh, so let me give you the, let me give you what, what I would be seeing first. Okay. So let's just say that, uh, it's, it's morning and you're on expedition and you're in a, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a wooded hex and you're in the, you're in the forest somewhere. And I know that you guys have made your plans to move north and presumably you have fighting enough where you're, I'm pretty sure you're moving north. So I could, depending on what I'm using, maybe I might do a roll to get lost or I might use whatever mechanic I want to use. Classically, you would roll some kind of die depending on, and you roll a six-sided die, and depending on the terrain would tell you whether you're, you're lost or whether you're continuing on the direction that you did. So let's just say I'm doing it classically. You guys break camp and get a roll. I might roll These are things die. you're doing as a referee. Kind this of, is things I'm okay. doing as a referee. And then, and let's just say I roll and, and you guys are not lost. So you guys have kept your sense of direction and, and you know where you're going so i might say something like okay you know it's the last watch is finished up and you have woken up your other party members i presume you guys have breakfast you want to do but if there's some reason why you guys are in a hurry that could be your say say no no we're in a hurry we're not you know or you know whatever okay now you guys get into your marching order which i also presume that you have but of course that's also your cue to tell me like oh no we're putting the elf up front this time or we're doing something different but you know i usually Kind of have a standard operating procedure for things like marching order. Like, okay, great. Well, you packed everything up. As you're moving forward, and this is where I'll be looking at my hex map, and I'll say, okay, you guys are in a woodlands hex. I know the next hex is forest. So if I don't have it noted, so in this case, I'm going off on my head, maybe I'm going to say that these hills are kind of rocky sort of tours, right? They're going to be, they're, they're not going to be as wooded. Maybe I'm looking beyond them, and I'm seeing that there's, maybe they're going towards a mountain, which is even further north. So I'm thinking more kind of foothills, maybe even minor but more elevation so the trees are starting to thin so that's what i'll talk about i'll talk about okay well you can tell that the uh, as you're as you're marching along the roll for weather okay it's a cloudy cloudy day but you can still see enough sunlight to guide you there's a wind blowing out of the north it has a feeling of cold let's just say it's mid spring um, trees as you're marching along are starting to thin a little bit you're, you're getting more of the pine pine trees and evergreens and less of the other trees we were seeing before as the elevation is steadily climbing we're also noticing more boulders the ground is getting rockier as you go and then slowly you can see as the trees thin and you're able to get more of a view in front of you you can see the first foothills 
uh, their peaks. And then in the distance, shrouded by cloud cover where the snowy peak is, you know, Thangora Drim or whatever, uh, amazing mountain that's still a far distance away. Now, I may, depending on what's happening, at three hours or so of distance, I might then ask for more, or I might say, okay, well, you guys are starting to reach the elevations, and maybe it's uh, the horses are having trouble, so you might need to dismount and walk your mounts from here. Okay, that's great. I might talk about stopping for lunch, if that's something they want to do, depending on if they're in a hurry or not. I don't know what's happening over at the uh, at this horrible mountain, presumably, but then that might be one, one or even two segments. Then I probably will wait until either, again, there's a decision point or there's like a real change, right? What, so what would like, a decision okay, point like? Let's say, what, like, yeah. describe what one would sound like. Sure. Like so a, there might be a situation where, okay, so something to keep in mind as a player and as a GM is that different terrains have different difficulties attached to them. I mentioned before how, depending on the terrain, your chances of getting lost are either more or less. It's hard to get You can lost get lost in the wood. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's a little bit easier to get lost in the in the woods, and then if you're in the mountains or say a swamp, it can be pretty, it can be easier to get lost. There also, there's different deadlinesses, not in terms of what you can encounter, but the chances of encountering something. So, swamps I think have the highest chance of in encountering something. I think swamps and maybe maybe mountains are tied, but you can kind of look at that. So as a player, yeah, and it's around, probably like, worth everybody. noting, like to anyone who's coming from the brand game or is brand new to this. That's all in the book. <laughs> so whether it's, it's old school essentials, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, this is all in the book. I'm yeah, not, uh, yeah. I'm not making it up. Um, but you could make is, it I up, right? I could okay, make it up. if it makes sense. But yeah, if it makes sense. But I would say, is you at least in the if you don't want to give the players the exact details, you want to let them know relatively. And I, I actually took my players to that those pages. I said, look at these pages. Ah, right? yeah. If you you go to the swamps, there's a fifty percent chance every however often for an encounter if you're wow. on the planes it's one in six so there's a much bigger chance of an encounter and of course looking at all the things you can encounter and the number of things you can encounter maybe it isn't even just one dragon you could find a family of four dragons hanging out somewhere right so it's really important so a decision point might be that okay let's just say we're coming out of the woods but we know we need to get north right but we're coming into a valley let's just say that we coming, or maybe we're, we're going past the hills and okay so we're coming out of this hilly area you're coming down you're following this sort of, this uh, this uh, sort of path that you found, and it's wending its way down into this valley, and there is a river that is flowing east to west in the valley. But here it has filled, and there is a it has created a wetlands environment. There's mist hanging on the you know hanging in the air, and there it, it's very wet, uh, and you can hear various different sounds, and it seems like there is some kind of it, the, the the wetland seems to stretch in this valley as far as you can see. Now. Here's the decision point. You can try to just gun it straight through the swamp. Great, swamp, no problem. Let's see how deep it is. Maybe we can put on our waders and just march across. Hey, fair enough. But you might also be thinking, okay, I know that swamps are really dangerous. Maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe we can go around the swamp. Can we Can we just kind of stick to the to the, this area and sort of maybe even go back up into the hills, try to keep to maybe the ridge lines, right? You know, you, I find is you know you're you live in kind of hill country sometimes you kind of follow a ridge line around say all right we're going to back up a bit and we're going to follow this ridge line see if we can kind of swing around to the east or west or do we want to you know whatever we want to do now 
So would the, those would look like different hexes. It would look like, hey, you it can might see be, yeah, it might be, a swamp yeah, hex. You can see a hill hex. And you've got hex. the hill hexes. So you're like, hey, we yeah. want to stick to the hills and go around. And maybe now, that's the, but the players wouldn't see. know that. You would just the be describing it. Uh, you're just describing it. Yeah. But you know. But they do know. What they do know is that swamps are deadly. Hills are, I mean, everything's deadly. But swamps are deadlier than hills. <laughs> yeah. And if we could get back to some plains, that would be even nicer. Or we could find some open kind of grasslands. That would be great. This is great. Uh, this sounds like Lord of the Rings. This sounds like, do we have to go to Moria or can we go we around? Go. And, and you but give it a you try. You might be like Aragorn. You might be like Strider and say, like, the swamps are nasty, but whatever's following us isn't going to follow us through those swamps. So they'll have to go around. That's where the time element comes in. So I can cut straight across a swamp hex. It's going to be not as fast as going on the road, certainly not as fast as going on some other thing. But it's it's the, you know, it's that shortest line across. If That's somebody great. has to go around four or five hexes around me, suddenly they're losing time on me. So if I'm either pursuing someone and they're off on a road and I can cut through the swamp, maybe that's my best bet to try to beat them before they get somewhere else. I got to cut across the swamp. No choice. Got to go. Yeah. And These I, are choices that you get to make as the, as the, as the party, right? What, it, what do we want to do? What do we value more? You'd mentioned Lord of the Rings. And I think it's such a great touchstone because it's what you're describing playing out sounds like the Hobbit. It sounds like Lord of the Rings and that, that uh, that's the promise, right? Is that you can have a place of like danger and exploration. You don't know what's out there. Uh, I do want to note and tell me, tell me if you think I'm wrong about this. Tell me what you think about this. Uh, first of all, a lot of the things I, I don't. A lot of people coming from the brand game or people that are brand new have a very player character facing gameplay. Like a lot of the rules are based on the character, so they're not used to procedural gameplay. So a lot of what Todd has described uh, is not just, well, it's certainly off the top of his head because he's very experienced, but it's in the book, right? <laughs> like a lot of these procedures. So you can, you you follow the procedures and a lot of the what he just described will come out of those procedures, which is cool. Now, a lot of people aren't used to that. Uh, so it's it's in the book. And it's you just, also the world, right? It's yeah. the world. When you're rolling to get lost, I'm not rolling somebody's navigation check. Right. I'm rolling for the world. Yeah. And you can make those player facing. And I've done that. I've turned some of those things that are because I get it. You know, you want to have someone who uh, is a, is an is an Aragorn, is a right. Strider. They usually have the Ranger have, make the check, but really so, it's going to be a 1 in 6 either way. So it's like, gonna, right. So you can so you can, you know, you can do things like and that's where taking the rules and like before, you know, if you read the 1E e DMG, right? Gygax kind of has gone corporate and is talking about no, no, you got to play what I'm laying down yeah. here basically. <laughs> but prior to that, you know, he talks a lot about taking these rules and making them your own because your game and your table is going to be different than his game and his table. That was going to be different from Arneson's game and his table. So if you wanted to do something like, hey, I want a ranger and I want to give them a different number to roll or something like that, you know, you should and should do that. And I, I've done that because, yeah, I want somebody to be say like, hey, I'm a navigator type. And so I get a little bit of a easier time navigating. Fair enough. Yeah, let's do it. Right. But. But as they work by the book, and it's always good to try, just try by the book once, just do it for a one shot, just do it just so you can kind of appreciate it, it's foibles, but also its strengths of what it does before you go and switch it all around. Right. Just try it. But yeah, it's you, you're rolling for the world. Like the world is basically just determining kind of like, are you lost? It's kind of like the world's doing it rather than you are. And right. some people like Daniel, for example, he has us roll. Like we, when we're, when we're wilderness, uh, uh, adventuring on his maps he'll have us roll and so in that way it can be kind of freeing because then it's not even me as the gm doing it. like right. it's like i'm rolling the die and i roll a one or a, i forget whatever it is a one or a, depending on if you want to do high or low i roll a 
a one, which means we're lost. We all know what it means. Daniel's not doing it. He's not, the GM isn't doing it. It's like, well, I just got to take the, all right, you guys are lost. Yeah. And, and, and you can just, you can totally do it that way. Or you can do it more where, like I intend to do it, which is what I'll roll behind the screen to save your loss. And then I'll try to start describing like what's happening or what the world's looking like as you're slowly veering off course. And I, then, you know, I, I go can, that way. But there's there's no wrong way. I could certainly see the merits of both. But yeah, uh, yeah so um, uh, one of the thing, the other thing I wanted to, to mention that I think so for people that are coming into this, first of all, this the, the, the description of rolling for the world is so uncommon in the modern game that it can feel dizzying to and to that i would say really uh if you have a good teaching book like the basic set if you just read the book and do it, it you'll see this amazing thing just come out of it like if you just do what the book says then it'll come out which is really cool that's true of uh advanced dungeons and dragons although you might be rereading it <laughs> two or three times to, to get there take some more take some more reading but the, I think the thing is, if you're a new GM or even experienced GM and you're feeling pressure, right? Because in, if you're going to play an old school game, the concepts of balance are radically different than the modern game. But what the rules do by following the procedures is you are not responsible. Yeah, right. right. You are not responsible. If you're playing the campaign or the whatever, and you're using the tools in the book and you roll up a dragon, then this is not you doing it to the players. It's the world saying, you know what? There's a dragon here. Right. And everybody knows that. And so it's, you don't have to feel like it's on you. Right? That's why I call you a referee, not a yeah, referee, because you're, you're just, just you're doing playing it as it lies. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to note that like like elite tier Todd is describing terrain features and ridges and and things like that, and that I I, I would imagine the like it seems like if you actually go out and go hiking, it will make you better at this because you'll understand things really? like terrain and water features. And, and I know and that's that, why I always suggest start with places that are familiar. If you're that's from a, that's a good country point. in Kentucky, then start there because you're going to know it. If you start and you're like going to try to do jungle somewhere, you know, you can get good inspiration. You can read stuff, you can do stuff. But if you just know, you know, I know what kind of Northeast cause I go right. to the hills. I, I know what it's like. So I'll just start from there. And your players might be familiar with it too, which can help, especially if they're kind of starting off in places that are supposed to be familiar to their characters. If everyone's familiar with the terrain, because this is all where you guys live, yeah, it's also easy to get in the mode where everybody's kind of seeing the same picture that you're playing. I think it can be harder, and this is a phenomenon. So we were running Classic Traveler, and I was talking to my co-host about our Traveler thing, uh, that uh, I have a much easier time. I'm an outdoorsman, and so I have a much easier time I know the five different like terrain features and how weather can affect water courses and you know how what a difference between a ridge and a draw and and what might you know the 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 type of trees you might have depending you know and all this kind of different stuff uh, and you can you can present that to provide like I heard you presenting rocky features which are versus marshes uh, and the change in in and uh in the rocks like that that's some but i i guess what i want to say is you i don't think anyone has to do that like uh so at with traveler uh you know it i noticed that it was very difficult for me because suddenly i had to think in terms of radiation and the speed of light 
And right, like yeah. that's just not a day-to-day experience. But a, but a day-to-day experience is how long is it going to take me to walk 20 minutes to get over there? How far away is that hill? That's a that's a terrestrial day-to-day experience. And if you're in a dungeon, it's even easier because you know how far 20 feet is. You know what a ceiling is, a door is, uh, corridors. You, it's easier to describe these day-to-day things. But if you're not an outdoorsman, I think this could be a little more intimidating. And I played with a lot of people. I found that this was a, a, a kind of a, 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 a point where it was very hard. They don't know what the cardinal directions are. Like I think about it, like why would anyone today need to know what the cardinal directions are? I, I mean, seriously. So they don't use maps and they don't know what the cardinal directions are. I had this experience. I ran a white box uh, for a group of people and, uh, and they, they're like, what is north? Like, what do you mean? You keep saying these things. <laughs> and 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 I, I want to say I think that you can start uh, and and build these things. First of all, my experience in Traveler was that the pedagogy, the journey of learning, was actually enjoyable. Also, so I got to grow with my characters, and I got to grow as a referee at the same time as I grew as a person. So I would like to note if you're learning about terrain and weather and all this kind of stuff. First of all, I feel like you could do this. Second of all, the journey is worth taking. Like you're literally almost journeying as your character's journeying, which is fun, actually. And uh, second of all, you can say this this area has lots of trees. <laughs> has lots of hills. And you can, and you can still say, have hey, a you're, good you're game. moving into hills, right? If you just want to exactly. like, do what you're comfortable with, you can always grow <laughs> you can into do what it. You're, comfortable you're, you're moving into hills. And yeah. You're in the hill, the foothills of the mountain, like whatever, whatever works. And something that you can do is you can pull up uh, like a mood board kind of situation. Right? Oh, okay. Some kind of whiteboard. Oh, yeah. Some images from Google or where Pixel. I've done that. You're right. You and you could paste them in there and then you can use that to give yourself a visual. And so find out where in the world you think this is near to. And then go online, do some image searches, say Himalayas. If you want some kind of really dramatic mountains, oh, grab some pictures, yeah. put them in front of you. And then you can just, just kind of tell what you're seeing in the photo but if if, if when in doubt it's a great say, technique oh, yeah, you're, you're moving in the hills you know if you just yeah. even say like again a lot of people do play with player facing hex maps and you just take the little pawn or figure and like okay you're in the swamps yeah feel free to to, to do that you know? yeah you it, don't have to get it all uh, right right it's kind of like if there's a i don't know like a matt mercery sort of effect where you feel like you have to do what some master ah, yeah. person who's like a a, you know, master outdoors person who can describe everything, or Tolkien when he's describing plants and trees. Like I can't, can't do what he does <laughs> when he's describing that stuff that he seems to know. But you just do what you do what you can do, and then yeah, enjoy that, enjoy that learning process. So yeah, you're saying, so would you agree? You can do this if even if you, you don't do have this. like a, a yeah a mastery of all the, the yeah. that kind of stuff, and and even if you like, never mind the fact that we're talking about Indian old school games. You might be travel on on Michael Moorcock's meat dimension plane right. so like never never mind right. like trees there might be bulbs and mushrooms and weird stuff yeah, so and, and and get get inspiration if you if you have a bunch of those uh, books or clark ashton smith or yeah. or any all these guys highlight some stuff use if you're using a digital highlight copy paste when you say to hit a good description of some landscape some kind of weird crazy landscape they have you know copy and paste it into some kind of a folder or document where you can pull it up and and find from them so, Todd, uh, this is awesome. So we frame what this is, kind of, you know, how you can approach it starting out and everything, some some tangible ways to, to start chewing on it. Uh, even if your group is doing a local dungeon and you're looking ahead or anything, um, uh, what would you say is, I mean, obviously you got Hex Crawling 101. That's, there you go right there. And I'm going to include 
that, and you can reach uh, heck, uh, you can reach Hexed Press, the YouTube channel, via the link to the uh, the playlist Hexcrawling 101, which is what I'm going to include in the description. But what are the, uh, apart from listening to your videos, which will kind of crack it open and deep dive or in, closer into it, what are the best ways to get started with this? I mean, the expert set's pretty good. I'm going right? to buy it now. You've sold me on it. I'm going to buy it. It's, and, uh, it's there you pretty go. good. There's, uh, there's Into the Word and Wild, which I think, did you oh, mention earlier? Into no, the Word and Wild? no, no, I didn't. Because that's all that. That's got some, um, if you're, so, you know, you, there are all kinds of rabbit holes you can go down, right? So once you're in the wilderness, like, how is your party? There's, you know, if you want to get into the weeds on, are they hunting and gathering as they go? How much, how much care do you want to take with the, uh, how much do you want to get into, say, camping or the, the, uh, how how important is that for you? You know, when I was and I, I'm someone who's done a lot of day hiking, so I I don't haven't done any kind of I, I do I've done a little bit of camping, you know, once every once or twice a year go camping something like that, but not a bunch. But you know, when I was reading, I think it was called Bushcraft, which was a book ah. uh, by some wilderness expert. One of the, I think he might have been on one of the one of those shows, whatever. But you know, talked about how important how much time should you spend figuring out your campsite, right? and you'll find lots of blog posts and lots of things and. That source will give you some procedures if you want to delve further in. If you feel like, hey, you know what? I want to make that more of an important feature. Or if they go hunting, how do I want to do that? Right? There's all kinds of procedures. But if you just want kind of your basic, basic stuff, um, I think I think that's what's got to be in Old School Essentials also. But in terms of kind of you want to have it set up more, a little bit more teaching-wise, a little more examples kind of thing, I think you get a map of... There is a hex map in the back of it of like the what was it called at the time the known world whatnot so you get kind of a hex map you can at least start to check out uh the basics or sorry the expert set from bx is going to do fine ADD, the dungeon master's guide has a bunch of stuff but it's kind of cryptic and labyrinthine right. and i would always say like hit something simple first if you want like i was and you can see some some streams i did where i used the ADD dmg to flesh out a hex map where i built it out and started just yeah i love that on there it's got a lot of great material tables and things, but it's not always clear how they work together. And it, you just kind of got to, it takes a little bit more effort. Um, there's sources like the D30 Sandbox Companion. Oh, yeah. All kinds That's, of tables. Yeah, I love that one. Worlds Without Number has a bunch of stuff yeah. in there. I think the thing is you're going to find is that everyone's got their own kind of way that they like to do it and uh, how they, and that's what you're going to find. Very, It's, it's going to be very much, it's kind of idiosyncratic sort of here's how I do it and here's how the tables and then that's true for my, my channel as well I try to I do try to just try out a bunch of different ones so I have streams where I did worlds without number to do some stuff and you know ADD Dungeons Master's Guide and D30 Sandbox Companion so it's all about at certain points all about finding the procedure that works best for you but I think starting with the expert set which was the first I think to kind of really lay it out in details I don't think the white box the three brown books touch it very much and I don't think Holmes does either because Holmes it's only a kind of first third level. So I think if you start with the expert set and then kind of go from there, um, I think that's probably a good, good place to start. Okay. I'll include some of that in the description. Yeah, but there's a bunch of sources. I mean, there, there's no end to the amount of content once you start searching out hex crawling, hex map, that kind of thing. You'll, you, won't, you won't lack for choice yeah. in terms of things to next steps. What what would you say is like? Don't do this. Like, what are what are the pitfalls? Like the the two or three big pitfalls. If you're gonna don't go too big. Yeah, oh man, to go big. That's Everyone what I did. That that's don't, what. Don't so go, don't go too big. 
you know, I started, I had no idea how to do it and it, it failed miserably to be honest. And then, and then I learned and I played and ran OSR games. I'm like, I'm going to do a big, I should show you this monster I made. It's silly. It's silly. It was like 120 by 160 miles. Um, and it was, and, and, you know, predictably it, it was the same thing that happens in modern RPGs. We didn't use it. I was utter, especially in BX once they got horses and most of the major points of interest were connected by roads. So a, <laughs> a horse can unladen travel, what, 30 miles a day in BX or something like that? So, like, all of a sudden, you know, uh, and there wasn't any reason to go out into, oh, you don't want to go in these horrible, dangerous mountains filled with griffins? <laughs> like, why not? You know, like, uh, because... There, the, there definitely is an aspect where you need to get your players kind of in the mindset of, we want to go out. There. Right. And you can't... So, I'd say, other than being big, I think this comes into kind of another point. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. I've seen ah. some time where the GM is saying, well, I'm going to spend this session hex crawling, right? And so, but your, your players might not engage with anything. You're looking at it and you're like, okay, uh, you know, we, we've got, I've got five hexes between here and where they're going to go. And I've got all these things planned out and I'm not going to worry about where they're going because they're clearly going to spend the session hex crawling, right? And then the party's like, nope, we're going straight on this thing and we're just, right. we're just, yeah, yeah. And so they just burst through it. And so what ends up as a GM is starts going like, oh, I got to, I got to, I got to put this encounter in here because, I, I, you know, uh, it, and then it, it doesn't feel open and free anymore. It feels like you're in, a, right. I think someone called like a monster corridor. Or something. Ah, yeah. The whole one of the head crawls, it should feel free. So you want to have it. And like you were saying before, once you and it, there is a lot of prep involved with hex crawling, but it's all this upfront kind of prep. You set everything up. Once you have it, when they're in the area, then it's like kind of prep free. So you kind of do all this prep up front. So you'll have it. And that way you're not counting on it saying, I'm going to spend the next three hours hex crawling because they might not. They might just stay on a road or they might you might have all this stuff around that tower in the distance. And the party goes, now nah, we, we said we'd be there by the next day. So we're not going to that tower in the distance. Right. And then I mean, the GM are like, well, what did I, that's all I had was is, that tower. Right. So <laughs> you, you got You got to keep it. You got to keep it open. Is it and, fair? And make sure you're ready for that. I feel like I've seen this mistake and have made this mistake as well. Is it fair to say really that like, so we said that hex crawling offers the promise of this wild and open uh, exploration, the sense of wonder, this kind of Lord of the Rings. I don't know what's out there. I could get lost. So if so, maybe a couple of things there. If you're not operating on that premise, which I think was my big flaw, like most of the important adventure content existed between towns that were connected by roads. So I wasted a lot of time on a premise that was never going to happen, like because there was no incentive. And secondly, that that premise would be communicated to the players. Uh, you do that in the old school, right? Like uh, an underlying premise is you're a person that's going to go into dangerous holes and get treasure. Yeah. Is you've, yeah it, so mean, if you don't have that underlying premise, uh, an old school game doesn't work. So so wouldn't it make sense? We had a lot more success when we ran B3 and I turned the 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 orange cover map. There's this gigantic map. I turned that into a hex map. And uh, it mattered because they didn't know where they were and they didn't know where they were going and they needed to find the palace. Right, so they were actually exploring the place, trying to find this, um, and uh, so like, if you don't have the premise necessary for a hex map, I mean, maybe you just shouldn't even do it. Like, uh, yeah, and, and and don't feel like you have to do it to do it, and you can always right. reduce it later. If it does feel like road, that sometimes, that's fine. just yeah. point crawl it. You know, just you do it. Like, and that's why I always feel like it's a little bit when people say point crawl or hex map or hex ah. crawl. Like, and, and and like they they coexist perfectly fine because I almost right. feel like the act of exploring is really the party turning their hex crawl into a point crawl, right? Because you 
can't find the place, so you hex crawl. As you find the place and you keep going there, you establish a trail, you establish a route to get there. And so what you basically do is you turn that into your point crawl. Because then at a certain point, you know, if the GM's like, well, you're trying to find your way back, you say, hey, man, we've been back and forth to this thing like 50 times. Like, don't we know the way by now? And the GM... I've made that mistake, too. Right. You do. Yeah. And so that now has become a point that's connected by a line, which is the trail that your party's established to get there. And you turn that segment of the map into a point crawl. Yeah. Right. So... So you know, they, they, they coexist perfectly fine. It's really about finding the right tool for the job. But yes, you have to incentivize it. And this is where sometimes I feel like people at least need to, again, try things before. Because some people don't like the XP for gold. Like, oh, that doesn't seem right to me, whatever. But what that does is, is just as you were saying, what incentivizes you going out to try to dangerous places? Well, you gold. Well, why? Because the loot's there. Well, why is the what does the loot do for you? Okay, well, in the fiction, it makes you rich, whatever, sure. But it's also how you get levels. If you want to succeed at the game, you need gold. Whereas gold in dangerous places. So it behooves you to find the dangerous places so you can level up. So there's this nice loop right. of how you are rewarded in the game. And this is also something that in your session zero, you should be discussing with the party, making sure it is something they want to do. Hey, this, my, I was lucky enough that my players really wanted to get into exploring the world. They wanted that nice. kind of Lord of the Rings kind of out in there. But not everybody does. Some people are just going like, you know what, I just want to go and have epic whatever, and that doesn't really fit in with that. And then that group might, hey, maybe it's not there for them, or maybe you got to work a different way. But yeah, you have to incentivize it, and you have to make sure that the players are kind of on, on board with that. And then you can also do stuff like add in time pressures. Sure, you can take the road from A to B. That's going to take you six days, but you only have four days. So now you got to cut a corner. That means you got to go off road because maybe the road loops around some lake or swamp or some hills or mountains or a, a deep, dark, dangerous forest. And you can look at that map if your party has one or they can whatever and say, well, if you cut through the forest, that'll save you two days and that'll get you there on time. Well, cutting through the forest, there, therein lies your your little hex crawling element. So. Yeah. Pressures, incentives, all that stuff will help. But don't feel like it's something that <clears throat> you must do or you're you're not somehow playing the game, right? It's all yeah. it's all good. I think modern OSR modules sometimes I get a a, a a wrong impression, right? So like I two of them that I love, I was a player in one and I ran another one. Uh one was um uh, the secret of the black crag and it's this massive hex crawl and that's what we did we did like a hex crawl and it was uh, a ton of fun uh, and you do that from level one you know that's the point of it and then the second one is um in the tower of, in the shadow of tower silver axe and uh it assumes right from the beginning like you're gonna have surrounding hexes it actually uses topography and it uses yeah like, this maps are really good don't yeah also don't feel like you have to copy people's maps because I talked yeah. to him, and uh, you know, he he's kind of had this niche with his kind of top topographical style. Right, but, it is. You know, it's a pain in the butt to. Do, but yeah, butt you to can do. engage with this really awesome content if you're coming into the indie or OSR world, and you Absolutely. don't you don't have to do all no, that and, stuff. And in fact, people have made non topographical versions of his hex map with kind of regular hex symbols for people. Nice. Here. Because, you know, some of that stuff, it's important if you love that stuff, but also not super important. Like, I, like, for me, it doesn't matter. I don't need to see every 10 feet, you know, these different changes in elevation. Right. I, I just need to kind of know, are you going up? You know, is it steep or is it uh, whatever? Like, that might help. But other than that, like, I don't care. Right. It's not important to me. Now, maybe if I was a mountain climber or something else, I might think those things are super important. Right. And so then I would want those things. Right. So you kind of. Right. It's Next, all about kind of finding the tools you're comfortable with to get to the place you want to get to. 
another person we're we're talking to is Travis Miller, and I really like how he puts it. It's like a an omelet, right? Because like with an omelet, in the end, you're gonna have to have that butter and the eggs and the, you know, like you're gonna have to have the really basic stuff. And if you have that, it will be delicious. It will be amazing. But if you add all sorts of fancy stuff, like a three cheese blend and and fresh parsley and everything else, it'll just be even better. And that's how these things work. Is if you pick up it seems to me in the in the Shadow of Tower Silver Axe, I can read a, a topographic map. I did it in the military, so I can add all that extra flavor. But if you take that out, it will still work and it'll still be a ton of it fun. Works just fine. And I think that's a great point too, right? And the other thing is learn how you gotta learn how to cook your omelet. Before you wanna start making the fanciest omelet you've ever seen, probably learn how to make a basic omelet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so feel free to start basic. Just make a plain omelet. It'll still be delicious, even though it's plain. And then yeah, you can add your garnishes, add your different ingredients because if you try to do it all from the start as i've tried to do with many a recipe that has failed me you know there, there's much more places where your recipe can fall down right where you yeah. burn something or you don't let <laughs> something cook all the way through or whatever so feel free to start simple even though it might feel too simple to you don't worry about it just try it get your get, get comfortable and then you can start cooking yeah and and just like cooking uh this isn't condescension in my opinion simplicity is is mastery <laughs> like if you can do things very simply you know like a a, a black belt is an expert white belt like uh, so right. if, if you can do this really well uh in a simple way it means you can do it well uh it doesn't mean that you're not able to do something really complex uh, so. yeah and, and and no one should take it i think as anyone kind of no talk, definitely talk not and, absolutely again. not all right yeah because ultimately, as I want folks to do this more, because I think they're fun. I think right. they're fun. I think they can enjoy them. And if people get frustrated and toss it all in the trash because the first time they tried it, trying to do everything, it fails, then that's just uh, it, it's not uh, it, it's not useful, right? So right. I just think that, and it, it's also in terms of effort. If you're not sure whether you're going to like this stuff, do the low effort first before you go in. You know, try so try before you buy, basically, right? Try yeah. before you buy. Grab. Grab something you like, give it a try. If it's a module, I think you can buy the expert set from drive-through and in digital form pretty reasonably. You know, just try it, and then if you like it, then start. You can start digging in more. Uh, but if you if you want to jump in with both feet right away, then you can, you can end up through a lot of rabbit holes, spend a lot of time, and then if you end up not liking it, it just feels like a waste. Yeah, Todd. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. Do you have uh, anything? What's coming up on Hexpress? What What do we have to look forward to? What kind of? Oh man! Well, I stream on? most weekdays. Uh, my schedule is a little bit all over the place in terms of time, but uh, I'm I don't know exactly what's what's going on. I got some stuff coming, but nothing I want to reveal quite yet. Ooh. But just there's always new stuff. I'm always. And you know, if you have, uh, you know, I I haven't I I do more than just hex crawl stuff, but indeed I'm known for yeah. my hex crawl things. And part of the issue for me is that at some point I got to take, I got to kind of take rests from it because I just run out of stuff to talk about. So if you have questions, if you have things you're curious about, please find me somewhere on social media. I mean, usually either Hex Press or Hex Pressman, depending on where you look. Um, ask me something because that actually helps me come up with content uh, to do. But uh, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff from Packs Unplugged and things I need to go through in fact i'm still pushing out videos that i recorded at pax unplugged so there's a lot of stuff coming and then hopefully in the new year and i know there's a hexplore 24 was if you ever heard of dungeon 23 someone put forth oh hexplore my goodness no, yeah that's um, cool their their version is more about doing like a solo gameplay thing but i think i want oh, to try to maybe get folks to just do like let's just work on some overland stuff maybe that'll be my own kind of hexplore 24 so that's probably 
the direction I'm going to go into. And then, yeah, play some games, run some games, I hope. Thanks for having yeah. me on the podcast. It was a ton yeah, of fun. Thank you so much, Todd. Let me know what the feedback is and how it goes. And uh, if you ever if you ever need an extra person for Traveler, Traveler Classics on my bucket list, I've yet to play it. I own the box set, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, we've we've had a we've had a good time. All right, well, thanks a lot for joining us. Sure. Mythic Mountains RPG is a private online play club that focuses on folk RPGs. Folk RPGs are the games that belong to all of us. They're what actually happens at a table between friends. It's their voice that has the authority of what is fun and what works for them. Weekly, we upload our games to allow others to sit in with us. The channel isn't monetized. We don't own the artwork, music, software, or games shown in these actual plays, and you can find links to their authors in the description. Like, subscribe, and share if you wish, or don't. Just like games in person, you're welcome to pull up a chair, sit in, and watch some of our games. No performances, no fancy equipment, just regular people playing folk, pencil and paper role-playing games, and having a good time. We hope these games will prove a source of enjoyment to anyone just wanting to listen in, anyone looking for examples of how actual groups run and play folk RPGs, and most importantly, if you haven't found your group yet, you're welcome here at ours.